We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is the importance of debate and how conservatives must welcome the debate. We cannot shut people down because we simply disagree with them. We win because our ideas are better, not because we pout and cancel and walk away. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks for listening into the show. So I said in the introduction that today's topic is the importance of debate. We've talked about this before. This is not a new topic for me to discuss. But what I'm seeing is that conservatives are very eager to rush and commit the exact same error, the exact same sin that we criticize the left for making. Oh, I'll I'll get people that'll applaud, stand up and give me a standing ovation for calling out left-wing millennials, the snowflake rebellion, cancel culture. Uh, people will champion and say, good for you when I, when I point out the fact that microaggressions and trigger warnings and these claims that you offended me by an idea that I don't like. When I stand up and say, you know, this is a university, this isn't a daycare, grow up, conservatives will, will rush to give me attention. And you know, from Fox and Friends to Glenn Beck to Drudge and Dreher, people championed that. But when conservatives don't like an idea today, they commit the exact same sin. When I say they, not all conservatives. True conservatives don't do that. True conservatives engage in the debate. Oh, if somebody gets rude and starts calling you names, yeah, even Jesus tells us in the Bible that there's a time to shake the dust from your feet and move on. But that is not a reference to the give and take, the exchange of ideas on a daily basis. Cancel culture is driven by the left. It shouldn't be fueled by the right. Because those people who claim to be on the right side of this debate versus the left side of this debate should recognize the objective definitions of right and wrong. And that objectivity, those definitions, those are the things that should judge the debate, not your emotions. Not the fact that you just want to be right. Not the fact that you're defending a person, your, your favorite politician. And simply because he or she said something, you're going to cancel, you're going to mock, you're going to malign, you're going to defriend, unfollow anybody who challenges your favorite politician. If we're tempted to do those things, we're betraying the fact that we really don't trust our conservative principles. Excuse me, I'll say it again. If we're tempted to engage in the cancel culture, the unfollowing, the unfriending of people, the canceling of the dissenting voice, then you're betraying the fact that you don't trust in your conservative principles. 
as much as you think you do. That's the nature of today's show. So after I take a break, I'm going to play an audio clip from the American Enterprise Institute's president, where he talks about the importance of debate, of dialogue, of iron sharpening iron, of dissent, and how this is the history of the academy, but it also needs to be the present for the conservative movement. Trusting in the truth rather than getting all flustered and frustrated and taking your ball and going home just because somebody else might have thrown a better pass than you could have, or somebody tackled you a little bit too aggressively, or somebody actually challenged your your all-star and said, you know, he made a mistake. That's today's show. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. I said that I wanted to play a brief audio clip of the president of the American Enterprise Institute. A very good organization. An organization that stands for free enterprise, the free exchange of ideas. An organization that has historically written and spoken in defense of freedom the American Enterprise Institute. Robert Doerr is its president, and he has a very brief essay that he reads in a post that uh, is on their website. And I stumbled across it because I was doing some research on the loss of academic freedom. And that's really what he's speaking about right now. He's talking about the, the collapse of academic freedom in our colleges and universities. But what he's talking about doesn't stop there. In fact, it's pervasive right now. So as you listen to this, you're going to agree with him. You'll applaud. You'll give him the same response that you've given to me when I have critiqued the Academy. In fact, that's probably why a lot of you listen to me. As you thought, well, that college president said what needed to be said. He said, my land, this is a university. It's not a daycare. Stop the canceling. Stop the whining. Stop the complaining. 
Just because somebody's speaking a conservative idea into your life doesn't mean you should just shut it down. You all said, good for you. And you're going to say good for you when Robert Doerr says what he's going to say right now. But I want you to exercise a little self-reflection. Is he criticizing the academy? Yes. Is he criticizing the left-leaning faculty and the millennial students that are spoiled and crying and complaining? Yes. Does that irritate you? Yeah, and it should. But are we guilty of some of the same? When we don't like an idea, when our guy's being challenged, do we cancel our own? Well, I thought you were a conservative. You're a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. On one day, you sound conservative because you're defending Trump. And the next day, you betray that you're a traitor because you challenge Donald Trump. I'm going to cancel you, and I hope that radio station takes you off of their programming. I mean, that's going on right now. Some of you have been uncomfortable with the fact that I've challenged Donald Trump recently. I've lost Facebook friends and Twitter followers, and I'm sure that there are people that listen to this podcast that are thinking, well, I don't know if I'm going to listen to him anymore. And if you listen to this this show via the radio, you're probably thinking, well, I wonder if that radio station is going to take him off the air. Frankly, my response is, I don't care. I don't do this for for those reasons. I, I do this because I want to talk about what's right and just and real and true. I do this because I trust the principles of revelation, that there's something bigger and better than my feelings and emotions or yours. I do this because I believe every person should be challenged if they say something wrong. You and me, your pastor, my pastor, your politician, and mine. Conservatives should not get uncomfortable when somebody in the camp says, wait a second, did you hear what he just said? Let's deal with what he said. Let's not call anybody names. Let's let's dissect that particular sentence or that paragraph, that post. And you know that I've done that in recent days with regard to Donald Trump's post about terminating the Constitution. Some people have said, well, he didn't say that. My response is, I'm reading his sentences right now. I'm reading his post. I'm not ad-libbing. I'm not paraphrasing. I'm reading exactly what he said. Now, I'd be the first to admit that there are times on this show that I don't communicate as clearly as I wanted to, and therefore I need to go back and correct myself. Even in the course of the actual show, I might go back to a sentence and say, let me say that again. I might have butchered something. I might have stumbled over my words. I might have constructed a poor sentence. Sometimes you don't even catch it. Sometimes you say things you don't realize. You messed it up. I think last week, in my references to Pompeo, I used the wrong first name and didn't catch it until a subsequent show. That was clearly a mistake. So when you make mistakes, you admit it. You correct those mistakes. You apologize if necessary, and you move on. I'm sure that happens with you. It has happened with me frequently. When you make your living communicating, it happens a lot. 
But part of being a communicator, an adult, is recognizing when we stumble over our words or when we construct an argument poorly and doing better the next time as you correct it. So in Donald Trump's post about election fraud and his argument that that allows for the termination of the articles and the rules of the Constitution, if it was a poorly constructed post, then, then fine. I give him or you or anybody else the latitude to explain it and correct it and say, that isn't what I meant. I was tired. I, I, didn't, I didn't make that argument very clearly. If somebody says that, then I'm going to try to give them the latitude to prove what they meant by saying it or writing it again and then moving on. But I haven't seen that happen. What I've seen is a lot of people arguing that, well, you're a traitor, therefore I'm going to cancel you, meaning me for saying that, bringing this to the public's attention, or anybody else that challenges Donald Trump is a never-Trumper. And you know that irritates the heck out of me, and it should irritate the heck out of you, because just because you're challenging somebody's ideas doesn't mean that you're a never-Trumper. I'm very irritated with never-Trumpers, because they don't recognize that there's a bigger issue in play here than Donald Trump or anybody else. The issue here is freedom. And that's what the American Enterprise Institute is arguing for. So, lest I belabor this point, and I don't want to get fixated on Donald Trump right now per se, but that has brought to the forefront the fact that many conservatives who want to challenge you or me when we dare to step outside of the acceptable definition of political support, rallying around a given politician, whether it be Donald Trump or anybody else. If you dare to step outside of that box, then you're a traitor and you need to be canceled. That happens in the conservative camp right now, and it's wrong. It's just wrong. That's not who conservatives are. True conservatives conserve the truth. We don't coronate kings. We don't defend persons, per se. We defend principles. True conservatives should welcome this debate. True conservatives should be willing to look at Donald Trump's post or my comments or yours and dissect them, debate them, criticize them, critique them, agree with them or disagree with them, because there's something more important than the person behind the post. It's the truth or lack thereof that's being expressed in that post or that podcast, that essay, etc. So let's take a listen to what Robert Doerr president of the American Enterprise Institute, has to say about this issue. And again, he's talking about the ivory tower, colleges and universities, but don't get fixated on that. Listen to what he's saying as if he's speaking to you and your camp, your group, your university, if you will, your group of people who, who is trying to rally around a given idea, a given worldview. Because really, that's what a college is, right? Are you part of a quote-unquote college, part of a university? Are you part of a group that's trying to defend something, argue for something, articulate something? Listen to what Robert Doerr is saying within the context of that. America's great universities and colleges are the crown jewels of our education system. For years now, they have been the envy of the world, and that is why so many brilliant young people come from overseas to study in America. But something heartbreaking is happening on college campuses in the United States. Free speech is under attack. 
Here's what has happened just in the past six months. On October 21st, University of Chicago geophysicist Dorian Abbott was scheduled to give a climate science lecture at MIT. But because he had written a few months before that, quote, merit, fairness, and equality should replace, quote, diversity, equity, and inclusion as the standards for college admissions, MIT students protested in early October and the administration canceled the lecture, even though the topic to be discussed was completely unrelated. Following Professor Abbott's cancellation at MIT, a leading climate scientist at the University of California wanted to invite him to speak. The backlash that followed from faculty and students there caused the climate scientist to resign as head of the Berkeley Atmospheric Science Center. His experience, as well as Professor Abbott's, shows how easily major colleges cave to radical protesters. A report from the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education found that 74% of activist campaigns against faculty members because of their speech culminate in official punishment for the target. Now, I've never been the kind of conservative who feels a few drops of rain and says the sky is falling, but I can recognize a problem when I see it. And there is a problem in American higher education. And if many college administrations keep doing nothing, this problem will erode the very liberal values that are key to making colleges successful the right to free expression, and civil discourse. The ability to freely discuss different ideas is an essential part of education. It not only allows serious and productive discussions, but it also trains students for citizenship in a free, democratic society, where people hold a wide range of beliefs that often conflict. After all, if you can't tolerate someone else's opinions, how can you live or lead in a democracy? Unfortunately, some of America's major liberal arts schools seem to have forgotten that. And as a result, students are learning the wrong lessons. In a recent survey of over 37,000 college students, 80% of them said they self-censor in the classroom and around campus. But the survey also revealed another troubling statistic. Nearly a quarter of students surveyed said that violence was an acceptable form of protest against opposing views. Sadly, colleges have failed to teach them otherwise by holding them responsible for their actions. In fact, some college presidents and administrators seem to tolerate activist violence more than opposing views. Even at Princeton University, which maintains an admirable commitment to the principle of free expression, the American Council of Trustees and Alumni has found cause for condemnation in the university's treatment of distinguished classics professor Joshua Katz. The animus against Professor Katz clearly stems from his willingness to criticize prevailing campus politics, their statement said, referring to an article Professor Katz wrote in Quillette criticizing a list of demands from his fellow faculty members. Now, Princeton has canceled his classes and has used official university platforms, namely a website run by its Office of Diversity and Inclusion, to call Professor Katz a racist. Eight of Katz's fellow faculty members at Princeton have condemned his treatment, but the administration has been slow to respond, according to a report from Stuart Taylor, a journalist and the leader of the Alumni Free Speech Alliance that has also condemned the way Katz has been treated. Many colleges have done all they can to avoid confrontation with radical students and faculty at the cost of academic freedom for others. Though many academics oppose illiberalism in national politics, 
they've ignored or enabled it on their own turf. And that's worsened national divisions, which we so badly need to heal. We need college presidents to defend their own liberal democratic values in their institutions. They need to teach their students that dialogue, not cancellations, not harassment, not violence, is how to handle dissenting views. If they won't, we will have lost one of our nation's greatest treasures and a cornerstone of our democracy. Okay, a couple points of clarification. If you listen to my show routinely, you know that the definition of classical liberalism is the defense of liberty. Um, And that's what Robert Doerr is referring to. So if that's a new concept for you because you're a new listener, let me just explain. Robert Doerr and the American Enterprise Institute believe in conserving freedom. They believe in free enterprise, freedom of expression, ideological freedom, academic freedom. The American Enterprise Institute is an institute for freedom. Another way to say it is they're an institute for liberty. And the classical defense of liberty is classical liberalism, thus the liberal arts institutions that he's referring to, colleges and universities. So don't get distracted by his use of the language liberalism. He's not referring to progressive ideology as it exists today in the Democrat Party or on the progressive left. That is the antithesis, the opposite of classical liberalism. I've said before that the conservative is really the classical liberal today because conservatives trust the truth. We're not afraid of the debate. We're not afraid of ideas. We recognize that some ideas are good and some are bad, and we run toward the argument. We don't run away from it because we know there's a referee that's bigger and better than political power or a professor or a preacher or some uh, podcaster or a radio show guy like me. We recognize that our political affiliations are important, and we choose them for a reason, because there are values endemic in those choices, in those affiliations that we hold dear. But we don't worship individuals. We, We recognize that our Constitution is covenantal. It's not hierarchical. There's no titular king or queen at the top of the hierarchy that tells everybody else what to think and what to do. That's not conservatism. So what Robert Doerr is talking about right now is the collapse of the academy and how these institutions from Princeton to Oklahoma Wesleyan University to Oklahoma Baptist University from Berkeley to Brown all across the nation, these colleges and universities are collapsing right now because they're actually protecting feelings rather than pursuing facts. And that's wrong. You're not going to come to an understanding of the truth when you do that. That's what Robert Doerr is saying. You're not going to get more freedom. You're going to get less of it. You're going to start shutting down faculty members who have something challenging to say. And if what they're saying is wrong, then let other people challenge them and prove their errors. Conservatives, you people that are listening to me right now, recognize that when you listened to Robert Doerr and you said, amen, good for him, you need to be willing to live by the same standards. 
And when somebody challenges someone within your own camp, whether it's you, whether it's Mike Pompeo, whether it's Ron DeSantis, whether it's Donald Trump, you need to be willing to hear the challenge, engage in the debate, be an adult, have a good, robust disagreement, and let the truth win. If I'm wrong for posting Donald Trump's post verbatim, in fact, I didn't even paraphrase it. I took a screenshot of the post in question. And on this show, I read that post word for word, sentence for sentence. If my conclusions, my interpretation, my understanding, my summary of what he's saying is wrong, then prove it. Don't cancel people for daring to challenge our own. That's not conservatism. That's not what conservatives do. If we're tempted to do that, you challenged my pastor, you challenged my church, you challenged my denomination. You know, frankly, forget Donald Trump. The same thing is happening within our denominational disputes right now. I've seen it happen in the Nazarene Church and the Wesleyan Church. You dared to challenge our tribe. Who are you to do that? When I called out the Nazarene Church for its rainbow garbage, for LGBTQ love wins, for this embracing of subjective identity, celebration of your inclinations rather than confession of them. When I challenged the Nazarene Church for doing that, and implicitly challenged my own denomination at the time, the Wesleyan Church, I was condemned broadly. They tried to cancel me because I dared to challenge the tribe. Who are you? They actually used that language. You're not of our tribe. Don't do the same thing when it comes to politics, when it comes to the Republican Party, when it comes to the Democrat Party, when it comes to Donald Trump. If he says something that needs to be challenged, then welcome it. And if the challenger, myself or somebody else, is wrong, then prove it. If you don't like what I'm saying right now and you're tempted to cancel me, I think I'm proving my point. Thus my point. If conservatives have come to that point where we don't want to have a debate, and we're going to do the same thing as these immature millennials and Gen Zers at Princeton or Brown or Berkeley, if we're going to behave the same way, act like petulant children, adolescents, who don't like the fact that Somebody said something that made us feel uncomfortable. If we're going to act the same way, then we're no better than them. And I would argue we are. We're better than that. Why are we better than that? Because we've submitted ourselves to a higher standard. It's not about us. It's not about our feelings. It's not about our emotions. It's not about what we want. It's about what is it's about facts, not our fantasies, not our desires, not our feelings. 
conservatives should understand this. And for those few people, and I think they're probably less than three to five, who've unfriended me on Facebook because I dared to post this comment of Donald Trump and say, this is insane. If you're calling, if you're saying that the election fraud, and I'm not disputing it. I didn't even dispute election fraud. Well, you don't believe that it exists? I didn't even say that. What I said was, look at what Donald Trump just posted. He's saying that the massive election fraud allows for the termination of the articles and rules and the Constitution itself. That's what he said. Well, he didn't mean that. I don't know what he meant. I'm reading what he said, and we should be willing to discuss it, not throw a temper tantrum and cancel folks that are pointing out this is a problem. And conservatives should not be saying stuff like this, nor defending those who do. If it was poor communication, then fine. Clarify it and move on. That clarification has not been forthcoming. By the poster. By the guy who posted this stuff in the first place. Oh, others have tried to say he didn't mean that. That's not what he said. He really meant this. Who says? You? I want to have the discussion and have the debate. And if you don't like it, and if others don't like it, that's not a conservative response if you're just going to shut people down and cancel them. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.